Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Survivor fans, we are not just surviving, we are thriving with the power of nutrition. Let's talk about wonderful pistachios, a snack that's not only delicious, but also a protein powerhouse. When I was on that island, I would give anything for a snack to keep my energy levels up. Well, did you know wonderful pistachios are one of the highest protein nuts out there? Each one ounce serving gives you six grams of protein, delivering over 10% of your daily value. Whether you're a hardcore survivor or just need a boost during your day, wonderful pistachios are the perfect personal protein stash ready to go whenever hunger strikes. So whether you're cracking open each nut one by one or enjoying the convenience of no shells, wonderful pistachios has got you covered. Outwit, outplay, outsnack with wonderful pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Welcome to On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. I'm Jeff Brooks, the host and showrunner of Survivor. Each week, I'm joined by Jay Wolf, Survivor fan and the producer of this podcast. Hello, Jay. Hey, Jeff. As well as former Survivor player, the great Rick Devins. What's up, Rick? What's up, Jeff? All right, so each week, we dissect the big moments of the most recent episode of Survivor, and we bring you the insights from the points of view of the fan, the player, and the producer. So let's get into it, because this is a big one. It's the season finale of Survivor 45, and the headline of this episode is that we will have the first interview with Dee coming up in just a little bit. We're going to hear all about her take on this season, as she has just been crowned our newest winner. Before we do, Jay... I thought this was a great finale. It was. I mean, from start to finish. So let's talk about the big moments that led to that final tribal council where Dee became the winner of Survivor 45. Where do you want to start? I want to start with the start, which is the show opens and it's you, Jeff, talking to the camera, addressing us, telling us this is the final five. This is the finale of season 45. And I wanted to ask about this moment because this shot, this walk and talk, almost like a Scorsese movie, (laughs) is not that simple. The experience of doing this shot will go down as one of my favorite moments. I could extend this story for 20 minutes, but I'll make it short. Basically, just imagine that all of Tribal Council's lit up. Ian Tucker, who handles all of our fire on the show, he's there. This is a big shot for us. I'm going to do a long walk and talk. We're going to meander through Tribal. To shoot this is a complicated shot. 
the operator is on Steadicam. There's somebody who's also the assistant camera. They're responsible for making sure the shot stays in focus, which is not as easy as it sounds, especially at night in low light. Very complicated <laughs> shot. And typically, it will be Scott Duncan or Russ Phil. They're two just mm. enormous pros. There's no problem. We do this all the time. Easy. The shot will be great. But on this night, unbeknownst to me, Scott Duncan had decided to give an opportunity to one of our young shooters, Kenny Hoffman. And his AC was going to be Jamal Reeves. I didn't know this. So as we're kind of setting up the shot and Duncan is saying, we were thinking you could walk here and you could come around the corner here and then you'll go here. I see Kenny holding the gear, the steady cam, but I assume he's going to be the assistant camera. And I thought that was pretty cool because to work with Duncan and Russ is a big deal. Mm. I didn't realize he was going to shoot it. And so <laughs> literally when we go to the start for where I'm going to start walking and I turn around and I see Kenny is the one staring at me with the rig on, <laughs> Devons, it hit me so hard that in one second I went, oh my God, Scott Duncan, the great leader that he is, is giving Kenny and Jamal the opportunity of their survivor career right now to handle the shot. Mm -hmm. And I got so focused. I'm usually focused, but you could have driven a truck through tribal that <laughs> night because I didn't want to let them down. And we do this shot. And it's it technically, it's not a, an incredibly difficult shot, but it's pretty precise. And we nailed it. And when it was over and Scott Duncan, who was looking at the monitor, said, yep, great, we got it. There was a brief pause. <laughs> Nobody said anything. And then Kenny let out this enormous holler of like joy and relief and celebration. And it was such a fun night. And I texted Kenny's dad, Matthias, who's one of our Hall of Fame reality shooters, has been on the show forever. And I said, your son just rocked it. And then Jamal Reeves, who was the AC, he and Kenny were high-fiving. And it was just a, <laughs> a really great moment because that is what it's like on location. We promote from within. You never know when you're going to get that kind of an opportunity. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, let's get into the next moment. I'm going to purposefully skip over some stuff between Austin and D because I know <laughs> we're going to get into it. I want to go to the race for the last advantage. This is beautiful. Oh, wow. It's pretty. Oh my God. What's happening over there? Yeah. Is that a box? That's a oh box. Oh my goodness. It's a box. Jeff, how do you decide what kind of advantage to put into the game when you are this late? Well, it's something we pay great attention to because of what you just said. It's late in the game. So it can't be so much of an advantage that you're guaranteed a victory, but it needs to be enough that it can make a real difference. And if the challenge finishes close, then this could be what puts you over the edge. So we just experiment and we rehearse and we test. We spend a lot of time pretending that we're the players and imagining <laughs> how it might go. And Kerhofer and Marshawn are out there with the dream team and they're trying it lots of different ways until we finally land on that sweet spot. What was great is later in the challenge, you saw it play out beautifully. Jake has the early lead due to the advantage. And then he forgets mm. his key and he squanders the advantage. But to his credit, as he always did, Jake continued to fight. He got back in it. And I couldn't believe that puzzle moment because I could see the piece. I know. And I knew our camera operator saw it. And of course, we're not going to say anything. But once again as he kind of did all season, Jake was in it and then he would squander it. And he was in it mm. and then he would squander it. And you saw the emotion 
in that challenge. It really mm-hmm. kind of captured Jake's entire game, which is why we loved him, is that he never, ever gave up. Yeah. We'll talk more about Jake, too, a little bit later. But, Rick, I wanted to ask, this is the final five. It's this race for the advantage. To me, it kind of felt like those coded maps on Edge of Extinction. Were you having flashbacks? (laughs) That's a great (laughs) comparison. Yeah, very similar because you are fueled by desperation. In this sense, it's that desperation to continue this late in the game on the Edge. It was the desperation to possibly get back into the game in some sort of way. And we've talked about you're starving, you're sleep deprived, and it's hard Mm. to even answer questions in confessionals. Now you're sprinting up and down on a beach, you got your heartbeat beating in your head. You're thinking, am I dying? Like, is this a heart attack? Do I need to be concerned? (laughs) At all this time, you're supposed to keep these numbers in your head, the combination number, plus you're counting. Your eyes can't even focus, but you just want it so bad because it's right in front of you. So I was very impressed by the endurance and the hustle. And I think for Jake to have the mental dexterity to pull this out was very impressive. Another example of Jake just getting the job done. You know, we'll, we know what happens once he got to the challenge, but he got it done here. Yeah. All right. When we come back, fire making and final tribal council, which was a war. And then we will talk to the winner of that war, Survivor 45 winner D. We'll be right back. Survivor fans know there's nothing more important than a tribe you can trust, and the hunt for the perfect hire can be as tough as winning an immunity challenge. But what if you could just skip the search and just match? Enter Indeed, the ultimate hiring partner. With over 350 million monthly visitors worldwide, according to Indeed data, Indeed is more than a job site. It's your personalized hiring platform. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, connecting you with candidates at the speed you need. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches. Indeed is your compass in the hiring jungle. It's a matching engine, not just for hiring, but effortlessly assembling your dream team. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences, leveraging over 140 million qualifications daily. The more you use it, the sharper it gets. Join three and a half million businesses worldwide that trust Indeed for fast quality hires. Listeners will get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Survivor. Go to Indeed.com slash Survivor now. Support our show by mentioning you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Survivor. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. We're talking about the finale of Survivor 45. Jay, next moment. I want to talk about the final five Tribal Council. I felt like we've kind of had decorum in Tribal Council so far in a weird way. And this Tribal Council felt like it went off the rails. Mm. And I think that had to do with Jake's secret idol that he told every single person about. (laughs) Told everyone about. Jake and Katura just opened books this season. It's been wild. Yeah, I'm waiting for Jake to be like, hey, you like apples? How about them apples? (laughs) Anyway, he does this to Katura, and she finds out he has the idol, and all of a sudden, she realizes there is a huge opportunity here. I really think it should be D. I think we blindside D now. We take Julie out tomorrow. Dee is always was viewed as a strong competitor. She's won two immunities. She could potentially win a third immunity tomorrow. Of the people left, she's the most likely to win this challenge tomorrow. And then she walks in that jury at final four, having
having won three immunities, she takes Austin, and that's one spot left for me and you. I think this is a masterful plan, and spoiler alert, Katora decides not to go by her own plan because she doesn't trust Jake. So, Rick, for the last time, <laughs> talk to me about trust. Because <laughs> I still don't know how it works exactly. It's definitely situational, but trust is currency in the game. We've talked about that all season, and it needs to be earned. And it's so late in the game now. And Jake and Katura, they've never been able to do that business of earning that currency of trust and building that trust. So Katura's thinking about how Emily could have flipped one vote and maybe saved herself. And she's so close to the end. So she's trusting her gut more than she's trusting Jake. And unfortunately for Jake, he just, he always has these big plans, but socially he can't get those folks to go along with them. And part of that is on him because he wants their trust, but he's not giving them the whole picture. Mm. You know, he's keeping key information away from Katura that he's going to play the idol on her. And so when you're not willing to give all that trust, it's really hard to earn that trust and it's costing him again. So the aftermath of Katura changing her vote is that we end up saying goodbye to Julie, which what an amazing player Julie was and how much fun she was to watch. Right. And then immediately after she gets voted out, she goes up to the person who voted her out, Katora, and whispers to her, hey, go to law school. Yeah, well, that's one of the dozens of reasons that Julie was on the show is that kind of compassion that seconds after being voted out, her attention turns to someone she just met 20-some days ago and has been thinking about kind of like a mom, which is why she probably would have won if she got to the end. And that's why we mm -hmm. loved having Julie. You know, Julie discovered Survivor during our second chance season. That was the first time she watched, and it was pretty fitting that it connected to her own second act of her life. And I think it's clear we loved having her on the show. Mm-hmm. Yes, it also led to my favorite moment of the after show, Jeff, which is when you said, all the lawyers lied, but we should talk about that later. So next up, I want to lead into the Final Four challenge with a clip. Jay, you break that challenge, you're out. All right, before we get to this moment of pure frustration, which I can completely relate to for the record, I'm waiting for the beautiful hilltop, the ocean in the background, the ball rolling through some ocean. Right. And here we are. Stacking 17 bowls. Well, just as easily as I can get excited about the idea of having a recurring, iconic Final Four challenge like Samotion, I can also get equally excited to do something different. The testing process for this challenge was significant because we've done versions of this where you stack bowls. And I specifically wanted more drama through the lens in the final shot. I wanted the audience to feel the precariousness of this challenge. Mm. Are they going to get that last bowl or are they going to knock it off? So we did a lot of testing with how many bowls can the shortest person left in the game get? And that's why our mm -hmm. dream team is out there. And they come in different shapes and sizes specifically for this reason. So one of our dream teamers was out there for a long time, stacking bowls. Can we get to 14? <laughs> yeah. Can we do 15? Yeah. Can we do 16? And we figured it right. And what's really interesting is we based it on D's height, not knowing if D would even be in the game anymore. Because this was weeks ahead. Right. Who gets out there in the end? D. Who wins? D. There's that shot. There is a shot where you're going, wow, if she can stack this, she wins. Yeah, she's mm -hmm. got it above her head. Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> so it all kind of played out. And it's just a great illustration of the time and energy spent to try to get it right for the players. Okay, I want to get into the moment before D's win, which is Jake 
breaking the challenge. Jeff, there must be some sort of rules for breaking the challenge as you brought this up, right? Yeah, let me get to the rule book here. Hold on. Page 37, <laughs> page 30. Oh yeah, here it is. Page 34, paragraph two. If you break it, you buy it. <laughs> Meaning we're not fixing it. And Jake is not the first. It's very rare, but it does happen where frustration kicks in and a player bends a pole or damages a part of the challenge so it no longer works. And that's on them. But we don't take it personally. I wasn't mad at Jake. But yeah, Jake, you're out. Rick, I feel like personally, I actually really can relate with Jake breaking a challenge in the middle of it. It's like super frustrating and you are going to lose and you're pissed. I know breaking challenges on Survivor is rare, but is this sort of frustration normal? Not really. Not to this extent. <laughs> and, and I love Jake but I don't like this at all. Um, Jake is very hangry. And I think as you get to the end of the game, some people handle the sleep deprivation, the starving, the mental torture of the game better than others. And I think if you look at the last couple episodes, you see Austin and D and some people really being able to be in control of their thought processes and their emotions. And you see Jake kind of losing it more and more. First, he throws Katura under the bus coming back from that tribal. He throws kind of a little tantrum. And it's just another example of Jake getting in his own way. This challenge, mm -hmm. D could do everything right and a gust of wind could come through. Right. And it's right back at the beginning. Yep. And Jake took himself out of it with his bad attitude and bad sportsmanship. And frankly, as a dad, if that's my son, I'm pulling him off the field right there <laughs> and telling him this is not acceptable behavior. So I think Jake sees that. He apologized. But he did this a couple of times. And it's just these little things that can keep you from winning the game. And you juxtapose that with D, who all season long did the little things right and she won the vote at the end. I want to zoom in on one more moment with respect to this challenge, which is the aftermath. Jeff, here you decided to tell us the story of Jake rather than to focus on D, who won. Right. Tell us why. Well, you're talking about the end of that act after the challenge is over. We always hear from somebody to kind of tell us what's coming next or what just happened. And you have choices. You could obviously hear from D. I made it to the final three. That's an obvious one and a good one. You could also hear from D saying, well, I have a big decision to make. You could hear from Austin and Katura saying, man, I got to get to work on D quickly because I want her <laughs> to take me to the end. Or you could do what we did and turn your focus onto something that's not directly related to D. It's Jake's story. And for us, that was the most interesting and compelling because as you two just illuminated, he just can't get any rhythm. He won a challenge advantage and he blew it. He found an idol and he blew it. And then he broke the challenge. Sorry about the challenge, Jeff. <laughs> right? And it would be so easy after this many failures to just throw in the towel, but instead he kept digging. I, you know, his line was, I have a snowball's chance in hell, but this snowball's going to keep rolling. I wish I was a bigger snowball, but I got to work with what I got. <laughs> exactly. You got to work with what you got. And I think in someone like Jake, we all see ourselves. And that's why we put that in the episode. We already know Dee's going to do her decision and we'll see that play out. But Jake was the interesting choice and I really liked it. Mm, so did I. All right, when we come back, fire making and final tribal council, which was a war. And then we get to talk to the winner of that war, Survivor 45's winner, D. We'll be right back. 
Listen, wearing the same clothes for 26 days straight on Survivor really made me realize the importance of buying high-quality, long-lasting clothes. That's why I love Quince. They have timeless, well-made pieces that last for years and don't go out of style. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. Buying pieces from Quince means that I don't have to keep buying new clothes every year which is better for my wallet and the environment. I recently got a super chic Italian leather tote from Quince and I'm loving how it looks. The best part about Quince is that by partnering directly with top factories, they're able to keep prices super affordable. I'm talking 50 to 80% cheaper than similar brands. And the other best part is that Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I love that. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com survivor for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot survivor to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com survivor. Welcome back to On Fire. Okay, let's pick up where we just left off. The challenge ends, D wins, she's in the final three and has a decision to make. But we go inside Jake's mind. This is the guy who's down but won't give up. And then we pick it up in the next act with Jake continuing to talk about what's happening to him out there. And basically what he's saying is, I need a success in this game for me. No plan like went like my way and it just like like if I lose this game, like I lose this game, but I want to be able to say that like I did something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I'm in this game, I need to make fire. I need it so bad. Like I don't like even beyond the million dollars, even beyond this game, I want to make fire. I just want to do it for me. So he is saying in the most vulnerable of ways, I need this for my life. Yeah, and in this game, fire represents your life. So let's go to fire because he convinces D that he needs to go. She allows him to go. We get to fire making. Rick, I've been waiting all season for this moment. Talk me through it. How do you prepare? How do you mm. execute? And what are some of the things that those of us watching on the other side of the screen don't understand about fire making? Right. Well, hopefully this is something you've been preparing for for a long time. Like before you got on the show, while you were on the show, hopefully you were making some fire, sneaking off to do some fire. But when the day comes, because of exactly what you heard from Jake, there's so much pressure, not only because you want to advance in the game, but because of all those other outside factors. You just want it so badly that all of a sudden something you've been practicing forever and have gotten really good at becomes really difficult. It's hard to get that mm. spark. And the cameraman is right in your face <laughs> as you're practicing. And you see your other competitors are kind of looking from the trail, trying to gauge right. how good you are. And you're not wow. sure if you're going in or not in a lot of these situations. So the fear of failure is just looming over you. It's a really high pressure situation. All day you're doing it. I finally stopped when I had such blistered and burned fingertips that I said, you know what, if I keep practicing, I might not be able to hold the flint when I actually get to fire making. So you just kind of have to step away and hope you've done enough. And (laughs) spoiler alert, some of us didn't do quite enough, but (laughs) you just you deal with that. You know, a few episodes ago, I mentioned wanting to talk about the final four fire-making challenges. This is what I wanted to say. In recent seasons, you've been seeing players making fire faster and faster, culminating in Survivor 44 with Heidi setting the fastest time ever. But there is a story that explains those records. So if you go back to season 35, that's when the final four fire-making showdown started. 
And for those first few mm. years, we gave the final four nothing to practice with. They had what they had at camp, which was their flint, as used as it might be, and their machete, and that's it. Then in Devon's season, Edge of Extinction, we gave them the actual knife they would be using, plus we gave you some extra flints in case you broke one. Isn't that right, Devons? Yep, that's exactly right. Okay, then in Survivor 43, we decided, you know, it's taking them a long time to make fire. Let's give them a replica of their actual fire-making kit. So this way they can practice with the exact materials and figure out how best to use them. Not surprisingly, that's when you started seeing faster times, first Gabler and then Heidi. We did that again for this season, 45. But after 45, we decided for 46, we're going to go back to the players only getting the knife and a flint so you can expect to see longer mm. fire-making times in the seasons to come. Mm. That's a big difference. It is a huge change going from making a fire with coconut husk to what you actually get in the final fire making hmm. challenge and i look back i don't even want to say what i would do different in case it ever comes up again but that change i would do some things very differently knowing Devons, how different that is, it is my favorite comment you've made this entire <laughs> podcast that you are still thinking about playing again brother because you never know <laughs> all right so we go to fire and ultimately jake wins and there's this beautiful shot of the fire burning and Jake's eyes looking at it with what finally feels like pride. I just, I, I, I like want to go back in time and give 15-year-old Jake a hug and say, hey, buddy, guess what we did? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's... Why 15-year-old Jake? What's significant about you at that point in your life? When I was 15, I always thought I'd be like, the fat kid forever, the fat guy forever. I always thought, like, I'm not lawyer material. I can't do that. Like, Survivor's just a TV show. It's pie in the sky. It's not real, but I want to go back in time and tell myself, like, it's real, and you can do it, and, like, you're going to get there, man, you know? And I did, and I... Jeff. That's, that's one of the best moments of my life right there, burning that rope. Congratulations. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Thank you for letting me do that. Can I just... Because I was there. And I mm -hmm. was... I held my emotion when he told it to me. But the first time I actually saw it in the episode, I got emotional. And I got emotional when I watched it again to prepare for this podcast. And I will get emotional again in the future when I see it. Honestly... That's reason number 4,692 that I'm still working on Survivor is I get a front row seat to these amazing journeys of self-discovery that can take place inside this giant adventure that only Survivor can offer. And I think when Jake talks to his 15-year-old self, look what we did. That's my why. That's why I'm doing the show. Mm. And then immediately after this triumph, we face the fall. Yep, for every fire-making winner, there's a fire-making loser. Ah, uh, yeah. Can we talk about Katura? I mean, yeah. talk about somebody whose popularity just week by week, my friends started saying, man, Katura, she's really something. I could see her mm -hmm. winning. And then the last few weeks, a lot of my friends wanted her to win. She was a pick to mm -hmm. win. And I, I mean, I love Katura. There's, what's, what is there to say? I mean, talk about a powerhouse of a woman and I loved how she said there at the end, you know, I live a planned life. This is, mm -hmm. I don't lead with my heart. And yet she ended up having this healing, learning, heartfelt journey. 
And I think it's beautiful. And I, I love the fact that immediately after sharing those vulnerable thoughts, I say, grab your torch. Because it's mm-hmm. the stakes of the game that make that journey possible. Hmm. All right. The last thing I want to bring up before we bring on the winner of Survivor 45 D- is Final Tribal. So personally, I thought all three of them did a great job. I yeah. loved seeing everyone's support of Jake. Caleb shouting Jake from the voting booth. I thought that was really touching, even though, of course, he was almost definitely not getting votes. He really did deserve to be up there. And I thought that was really, really cool. But let's circle back to Austin because what an amazing player Austin was. And what an amazing final tribal council from Austin. I'm curious to hear from both of you. Austin, who was an alternate, who wasn't even going (laughs) to be here and ends up in final tribal council. This was a very close vote, five to three. What did you guys think? Well, let's start with who voted for who. You had Kendra, Drew, and Bruce vote for Austin. Then you had Kelly, Julie, Katura, Caleb, and Emily vote for D. So really, all the women voted D, except Kendra, and all the men voted Austin, except Caleb. Mm. And I think the 5-3 vote says everything. That is as close as you can get to a tie. Austin played an incredible game. Yeah, he lost but he lost by a vote. Right. And there's nothing, there's no shame in that. That is great survivor gameplay. I was very impressed with Austin. I think that we saw a couple times late in the season as his relationship with D got more serious that she kind of maybe got the better of him strategically. But I was surprised how much he brought it at Final Tribal. I mean, he really went for that win. And I'll say right now, Dee's going to get her flowers and I'll give them to her because I think that she is the best game of the new era when it comes to a well-rounded played game. And I actually think Austin might be the second best game of the new era. Mm. He had strategic agency, challenge prowess throughout the game. He played every level. He had tight alliances that he fought for. He didn't just flip around. I think Austin was excellent, and he just happened to be in a season where he went up against D, and maybe that's the best and worst thing that's happened to the guy. Mm. Mm. Okay, on that note, let's take a break and get set up for the very first interview with the winner of Survivor 45, D. Be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. The first interview with the winner of Survivor 45. Very exciting. Here she is, Dee. How's it going? Oh my goodness. I am thriving. <laughs> I said it pregame. I'm going to say it right now. I'm thriving. It's humbling to be here. And I'm so excited to talk to you guys. <laughs> what do you remember about that moment when you saw the final vote? Because it was a very close vote. Could have been a tie. You win 5-3. Look, honestly... I knew taking Austin was a risk because in my perspective, he played the most dominant game, Mm. similar to mine. So I was just, I'm very glad that it was a close game because that kind of showed how 
good of a game we played. Right. Um, but right when when you just turned that parchment, I was in complete shock, to be honest. I was like, damn, everything that I set out to do, like it finally happened. Oh. Like this is the moment that I've been training for for such a long time and mentally preparing myself for in in my in my mind. So to see my name on the parchment, but not to get voted out, it's like, well, I fulfilled, you know, I fulfilled the dream <laughs> that that I wanted to do. <laughs> you certainly did. So, you know, the back half of the game really did center around these pairs, specifically Austin and Drew and you and Julie, and then you and Austin. And it came down to this idea of sharing of information I'm curious if there was ever any real internal struggle over whether you were going to tell Austin, given how close you two had become, or were you always able to see that this had to remain strategy no matter what? No, Jeff. I was, what the audience sees is one confessional of me debating whether or not I should tell Austin. But in reality, I was debating that the entire day wow. of whether or not I should tell Austin um, to the point that I almost got like teary eyed, but I would never cry in front of people as emotional as I am because we're still in a game. I would only cry in confessionals, but I debated that the entire day. And if I'm completely honest, I almost really did tell him because really? at that, mm. yep, at that point in the game, we're getting close to the end and Austin and I are progressing. And in my head, I'm thinking, is he going to forgive me after this? Are we going to be able to grow after the game? Would would he know how to separate game versus real life? Is he going to think that I'm going to lie to him in the real world? You know, and, and that's something like, like I said, in the game, I don't do that in my day-to-day life. And even if you don't want to hear something, I'll tell you the truth, like take it or leave it, whether you like it or not, you know? So I debated that the entire day, Jeff. Well, Devons, you commented on that in this season of this podcast about this idea of being worried that what might be a real friendship, a lifelong friendship could be damaged. And I know you actually felt like you would play it differently. How did you relate to what Dia's talking about? I think that it's so hard out there to get these friendships and they become so real and so intense so quickly but to stay focused on the game. And I kind of lost focus of the game and focused on that friendship. And I feel like it cost me in the end. Whereas D, I was so impressed with your ability, even in a much more complicated relationship, let's be honest, as much as I love Mm. Chris Underwood, uh, to stay focused (laughs) on the game. And we saw it kind of juxtaposed with Austin to an extent, but that was so impressive. (laughs) Thank you. Well, D, I should tell you that earlier in this podcast, Devons did say that he thinks you have played the best game in the new era. That's insane. You said it, not me. <laughs> I appreciate that. I <laughs> I think it was the best, most well-rounded game. You hit all the areas. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> all right, D, we get this question a lot. And that is, yes. how does attraction happen <laughs> when the players can't shower and they're <laughs> dirty and they smell? I look, there's a thing called island hot out there, okay? And another thing, you don't <laughs> you don't smell each other when you're out there. And I did not smell Austin. And probably if I did, I would have probably liked it because I was already attracted to him. Um, but the more bruises and scrapes he got on his body, the hotter I found him. <laughs> And the other obstacle with an island romance is our cameras. They're everywhere. So you have to be very low key. How did you two approach that as it became clear there were feelings developing? I think it was just an unspoken agreement between Austin and I. We were attracted to each other. We liked to be around each other. But we knew that 
we just couldn't be one-on-one too much until we had the numbers. And we did not have to speak about it for us to know that we cannot risk this this showmance mm. that we have going on. That's crazy. Okay, Dee, the last question on the romance. Was this ultimately a showmance or has it continued? It was both. <laughs> it was a showmance <laughs> and it did continue. And I'll tell you what, once we can finally post, you're going to see a lot of pictures of us on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> does that mean you're still together? It means we're taking things slow because he lives in Chicago and I'm in Miami. <laughs> so we're taking it slow. That's my answer, my final answer. I just think it's so fun to watch on Survivor and it's just so different on Survivor because there's a lot of like reality TV dating shows where people are going mm. looking for love and they're doing anything to kind of make that work. Whereas Survivor, it's the last thing you're looking for. <laughs> and, and I do want to know about watching it back. You guys brought up Rob and Amber. I mean, we're talking about the <laughs> ultimate survivor romance. When you saw that play out on TV, what's going through your head? My heart was racing and I was actually <laughs> sitting next to Austin. We decided we're watching this one together. <laughs> um, my heart was racing because it was nerve wracking to watch, but actually very wholesome as well because... When you're out there, these relationships go, they're so much deeper, right? Than than, yeah. than the norm. It transcends far beyond the game and it still does. And when I went out there, I said, I'm going to, my strategy is I'm going to form alliances that are going to like last until long after the game. And I did just that. So yeah, it was nerve wracking, but it was, it was nice to watch. <laughs> so one of the things you talked about in the show uh, was how important your family was and how you were going to dedicate this to your parents. And if you won, that's how you were going to spend the money. What was your homecoming like? And is that what ended up happening? Oh my goodness. My homecoming, I did not tell my parents right away. I actually texted my family group chat <laughs> and I said, Hey guys, I didn't win, but I'm very grateful for this experience. I fly from LA to Miami, keep my mouth shut because I'm like, if I just lasted 26 days in the game, I can shut my mouth for like seven more hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I landed in Miami International and I told my brother, hey, producers need a video. Another lie. Producers need a video of me coming back home. So can you just record mom and dad's reaction? My parents and my brother picked me up in the car and hugged them. We're crying. And I just look at both of them and I was like, you guys can retire now. They're like, what? They oh were so God. shocked. And I go, yeah, I won. <laughs> and they didn't believe me at first. They're like, but you just told us you didn't win. I'm like, no, I swear I won for real. And so we just started crying. And um, I'm very wow. grateful that that moment was captured on video. And it just, it just felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders, to be honest. Like I set out to do something and I did it. And I made that promise to my family and I was able to do it. And Oh man, like we're still in shock. So let's get into just a couple of questions about the gameplay. On the night of Final Tribal Council, I was curious coming in how confident you were. I had a gauge on Austin, but I wondered, did you feel you had it? And if not, were there any specific players you felt you needed to earn their vote tonight? I'll be 100% honest. I was feeling pretty confident going into that Final Tribal. Um, and the reason is because I knew that my game differentiated from Austin's. Huh. 
Um, and also I didn't want Julie in the jury, but she was in the jury. So I knew that her vote would come to me. And I knew also Drew's vote was going to Austin. There were a few people I wasn't sure about. Who were you worried about vote wise? Um, I think had Julie sat next to me, there was a strong movement for her to win the game. Oh. She, she could have beat me. Definitely, because it's Mama J. Everybody loves Mama J. Um, you know, and, and her gameplay was so badass. And Emily as well. I knew I couldn't sit next to Emily either because she had a huge character development that I myself was starting to become a fan of her on the island. So that is a huge problem. Mm. Dee, did you know that withholding the piece of information about Julie's vote was going to be the, the key when you decided that plan? Yes, I knew... Um, blindsiding Emily and withholding the information would be the pivotal point in my game. And up until that point, I had been so loyal to Austin in the way that I found the clue to the hidden immunity idol. I kept it a secret. The only one that knew were the three before. And I had to make a change in my game. And I was presented with this opportunity, even though it was minutes before tribal council. And I needed to make a quick and fast decision. And that's when I knew that things might change in my favor. Yeah, Dee, this is a follow-up on what Jay was asking about with the Julie vote. It seemed like at Final Tribal, you had opportunities to bring it up earlier. Were you trying to get Austin to be the first to bring that up? 100%, Rick. <laughs> you were baiting him into it. It's so insane that you noticed that because I didn't want to lead a Final Tribal with my biggest move in the game. I wanted it to be gradual, just like my gameplay, because you don't want to hit them with that, boom, this is wow. my only gameplay, and then they forget because Tribal lasts hours. I wanted Austin to bring it up because I want the jury to feel the impact of me saying, hold up, can I just say that that's not, <laughs> that's not what happened? And I'm sorry, Austin, but this is actually what happened, Jerry. It's, it's absolutely wow. insane that you noticed that. <laughs> Devins, that's why we chose you to launch this season of On Fire. That kind of insight. I'm not kidding. All right, D. my last question kind of echoes on what you two just talked about. Is there anything now that you've seen it all play out, even though you played a very good game and won, is there anything you would adjust if you could go back? Anything you would change? Advice for a future player? It's very easy to say you wouldn't change being a winner, but I think I would change uh, the way in which I approach situations and the, the way I spoke to my Alliance members. For example, Julie, when I watched it play out where I told her, Julie, you're the option tonight. This is what you're going to do, X, Y, Z. I feel like I was a little bit more, I'm not like that in the real world, um, but in the game, I was just very like cutthroat. This is how it's going to be, which I'm glad I was because it resulted in my win. But you still, when you're out there, need to put... Um, other people's feelings and perspectives into account. Um, and then as far as lessons for future players or advice for future players, I basically just say like detach from the outcome. You're there to win, amazing, but take it day by day because anything can happen in a matter of seconds out there, like literal seconds. So take it day by day and then start paving your path to final seven, final six, once you get closer to the end. Last question from me. What was your big takeaway for life from the experience? I love this question because it took me a few to get the answer to that question. And it wasn't until I was watching back. Um, when you're out there on the island, you're surrounded by cameras 24-7. And coming back into the real world, I live my life like if I have cameras around me 24-7, which <laughs> at the end of the day, for me, it's like, just do the right thing, you know, and 
just pretend like someone's watching you at all times. And it really just makes me be happier every day. Like, you know, if someone was watching you 24-7, you'd want to crush the day, right? And do the right thing. So I think for me, that was the biggest lesson going out on Survivor. All right. Well, Dee, you were a delight to have on the show. I still remember meeting you on Zoom and knowing you were going to be on the show. And it was a blast to watch you play. You are a great winner and a fantastic representative of Survivor. Congratulations and enjoy all the fun that's going to come here in the next few days. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Bye, Dee. Congrats, Dee. Okay, well, that is it. For this season of On Fire, and now to the toughest part of ending this season. I don't think, <laughs> we don't need to go here. This this seems like a classic time for a Survivor twist. <laughs> well, we, we need to let everybody in on what's happening here. Is yeah. When we called Rick to do this season of, of On Fire, we told him that he was our first choice. And really, and it was the truth, the only consideration for our first choice for a few reasons. One of the most popular to ever play You are an excellent player who nearly won. You had fantastic stories about winning challenges and making and hiding fake idols. You went to Final Four Firemaking. You were a former broadcaster, a great storyteller. And we told you we needed help in building a new format that would involve the player point of view, but we were going to have new players each season. So essentially, we brought Devins in to help us build a show and create a role that other players would then inhabit. And I just want to say, you have been a tremendous collaborator. And it yeah. took us a few shows to figure out the balance of player analysis and opinion. And that came from you just going back over and over and saying, hey, I think I could approach it this way. Or I think, maybe, let me try and go into a topic this way. And now it's over. And now we have to say goodbye to you, which is hard to do, Devons. You've become a fixture on this show. <laughs> but that was the grand design. Yeah, from the producer's perspective of this show, Rick, I just want to say, like, from the moment you joined our little group here, you have been the most enthusiastic, most hardworking, most genuine and heartfelt guy. We became friends seemingly overnight. And it was like, truly just like this connection where, I mean, we weren't kidding when we said we texted each other <laughs> from our couches watching episodes of Survivor. Like, I'm probably still going to do that with you moving forward. Hopefully that's okay. It's wild personally to start a relationship out of the blue with someone who you watched on TV and rooted Mm. for and were formerly shouting at a TV about how you wanted them to win. And Rick, you're just the highest caliber person and such a joy to work with. And this has been an amazing season and I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for us. Well, thank you guys. I mean, honestly, the thing I'm going to miss the most is just the hanging out. It was so fun. You guys were so excellent to work with. I'm I'm very grateful to have played a role in this podcast. Uh, Survivor, for me, has been the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm so grateful I got to go on the show and for all these things. Jeff, it's been really fun kind of developing this deeper, you know, friendship with you, not just a host and player anymore. Yeah. That's been a thrill. Jay, you kind of mentioned it. I feel like we have something similar to a survivor relationship where it was built under (laughs) these intense, weird circumstances. So I love both you guys. I really appreciate Paramount. And honestly, it's been so easy 
because these 90-minute episodes, season 45 has been embraced by the fans. It was such a great show. So really grateful to the whole cast of 45 and the whole production team behind it because it made this job just fun and easy. And I'm going to miss it, but I'll be tuning in because I'm sure with all the players you all have to choose from, whoever's coming in for season three is going to have a great perspective and bring a whole lot to the podcast. Well, Devin, just know that moving Mm. forward, everything that happens was built on your shoulders and we appreciate it. You close out this season of On Fire, Devins. That's it for this season of On Fire, the official Survivor podcast. And please, if you haven't gotten the point by <laughs> rate now, and review. listen to me. It helps the show <laughs> if you rate and review the podcast, okay? And you can go back and watch every episode of every season of Survivor on Paramount+. Plus. Survivor 46 premieres February 28th, and right around then is when you will find out who the new co-host of On Fire, who's going to be in this chair next season. All right, we'll see you then. On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, is a production of CBS Entertainment and the Paramount Global Podcast Group. It's hosted and executive produced by Jeff Probst, co-hosted by Rick Devins, and co-hosted and produced by me, Jay Wolf. Editing and audio mixing were done by the superlative Colin Norman. Thanks for listening. We will see you next season. Now that I'm going to miss.